Hey, Teresa. Hey, Sam. What's up? So I'm trying to be like a minimalist now okay. because I've been bitching Marie these. Marie Kondo head eyes. Okay. First of all, I was watching Marie Kondo when I was selling my clothes on Poshmark. And I just want her to bless my house with that little prayer that she does before she cleans out the house basically i was binging this youtuber and she's like a minimalist and she was like being a minimalist has changed her life because it has get gone rid of like her anxiety because she just like doesn't have shit she doesn't need and i was like this is so true i have so many clothes for no fucking reason and it's honestly just stressful because my room now is smaller so i don't even have space for them and i only rewear the same like 10 things every week anyways I feel like you do go through these like phases of clothes where it's like you wear the same thing (laughs) and then you kind of just throw those out and pick like new different things to wear. So I think that's kind of dope. Well, I'm trying to wear more like timeless pieces, you know what I mean? (laughs) And um, I'm trying to be a fashion icon. But for anyone who's listening, my Poshmark username is TeresaZ2. Have a lot of great brands on sale Aritzia, Urban Outfitters, Madewell, Topshop, Levi's. I can sell you a pair of Levi's jeans for $35. Can't get that deal anywhere else. This, this is- really sounds like a scam, y'all. <laughs> she is not going to send this out. <laughs> she's going to take your money. The package is never going to arrive. And then she's going to buy more clothes. With <laughs> well, you'll have to buy them to see, won't you? <laughs> Anyways, for this week's podcast, what are we talking about for this week's podcast, Sam? It's actually a special episode. Yep. So for today's episode, we'll be talking about our favorite tracks of 2020. It's about the mid-year. I think the exact midpoint of the year was a week ago, but we will be going over some of our favorite songs, some things that we want to recommend to you guys over a cool glass of lemonade. Then we'll bring in my friend Amiri to talk about his thoughts on his favorite tracks of the year. Great. Let's get started. For today, we chose the drink Lemonade. I think we've been like every week, like alternating between really cool drinks and just whatever we have in our fridge at the time. (laughs) Always great to start the day with a cool glass of lemonade, especially in Chicago. It's been so hot recently. Mm. Uh, It's been like literally 90s every single day. And I've just been like staying inside more than I want to because whenever I go outside, I just immediately start sweating. So a lemonade. Ew. Get that (laughs) under control. I don't know. Just like every time Sam chooses, chooses a drink, I don't really like it. But also, um, the only drinks that I'll tolerate in the morning are, like, coffee or a form of coffee. I've never liked lemonade, (laughs) but when I was younger, me and my sister used to have, like, lemonade stands outside of our apartment in Chicago. And they would actually be so, so effective because we would be so aggressive with our marketing tactics because my little sister... When she was younger, she used to be really cute, unfortunately, not anymore. Back then, she used to literally jump out at customers in the street and ask them to buy her lemonade, like this like chubby, small Asian girl would just be like, hi, we're selling lemonade for 50 cents if you want to buy. And uh, like, they would never say no. Yeah, one could say that 
Lemonade is what made me the business tycoon that I am today. <laughs> Making so much money <laughs> with my part-time internship. Um, so yeah. Well, honestly, I, I see where the marketing came from now. Because Teresa V marketing all the time. And it all started from the lemonade stand. Thank you for your support, Sam. So the reason that we chose to cover our favorite tracks of the year is because it is the mid-year, or I guess the technical midday of the year was a week ago. Um, but we thought this would be an appropriate time to go over what we've loved in music this year. And our site and our podcast don't really cover tracks very much. So I know for me personally, a lot of my favorite tracks aren't necessarily off of my favorite albums. So we thought it would be great to give you guys some insight into what we're listening to. Yeah, it should be an interesting episode because my tracks are kind of random and <laughs> I don't think that you'll agree with them. Actually, you, you won't agree with one of them, but the other two I think you'll agree with. Should be interesting. I'm excited. And for this show, we're going to bring on my friend Amiri. And we chose to bring him on because me and Amiri do WKCR, which is a radio station together. And he's the best DJ I know. And he does like basically seven shows a week. And he knows more about music than almost anyone else I know. Um, So it'll be awesome to have his input and also great to have him on the podcast finally. So we're just going to call Amiri on right now. (laughs) What's up? Hi, Hello. I'm Teresa. Hello. Nice to meet you. I'm really very nice to meet you. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh no, of course, bro. We we're excited to have a music expert on. I'm just a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on to this podcast. So first, we're just gonna ask you to introduce yourself and then introduce the drink that you brought on today. My name is Amiri. Um, I'm a rising junior. At Columbia College, I, I'm interested in African-American studies and education and journalism, but more particularly like music, journalism, music education, so all this type of stuff. And my drink is grape juice, but my mom like doesn't like how sweet juices are, so she dilutes it. So this is diluted, <laughs> but she dilutes it in the bottle. Like, so every Wow, time that's aggressive. It's very, <laughs> like I Whoa. try to take it so it's diluted, so. How does that make you feel? I'm, it's a traitor like <laughs> I feel I feel I mean it tastes it obviously it's healthier but it just doesn't taste the same like no mm. juice tastes the same when it's diluted right so this has been since childhood so I'm used to it now <laughs> Some childhood trauma so. <laughs> exactly so we brought you on today to talk about some of our favorite tracks of the year so we're gonna like run it down from three to two to one and obviously like I don't know that I have a set three favorite songs, but just like some stuff for everyone to check out that we've been listening to. And before we get into it, uh, I just wanted to ask y'all, how has this experience of like being inside, staying inside, uh, the whole coronavirus pandemic changed how you've listened to music? Have you been listening to like more music or have you been listening to music differently or has it stayed pretty much the same? It's a good question. I feel like for me, I've honestly been listening to a lot more music, but I've also been listening to a lot less recent music, which is why it was kind of hard for me to figure out like what I like kind of forgot what albums had dropped because I feel like things slowed down, obviously, since the quarantine. But even before, I wasn't listening to as many things at home that were like new. 
So I've been listening to a lot of like older music, I feel like, and just I have, since I have more time, I can play full albums. Like I can play like these old mm. 70s and 60s and 80s albums that I probably would have just like, in the speed of everything, just been like, I don't have time for that. So I've been surprised. I'm glad like in a, in a weird way, I've been connecting a lot with like reggae and jazz and soul and all these different albums that I probably wouldn't have touched if I didn't have time, you know? For sure. Any specific recommendations out of the old stuff you've been listening to? Yo, reggae is crazy. There's so much good reggae music. Um, I've been listening to dub music, this this artist named Scientist. His album is called The Best Dub Album of the World, in the world. And I'm like, yo, that's, and it was his first album. <laughs> I was looking it up like, wow, they really, he was, he was confident, but it's incredible. Dub music is really dope. And I love the drums. Like the drums, to me, sound like they're from the future. Like they sound so relevant. And they were making this, analog in the 80s it's so interesting to me but yeah that's one of the albums that i keep going back to but awesome and how about you Teresa? yeah i would agree i mean i think that's kind of what started our like the q quarantine content is because we were like this is a time where you can educate yourself in culture and music and especially our brand a lot of our brand is like promoting artists who are either like on Bandcamp or like don't really get that much recognition and I think that we made a good decision because as we can see corona is not getting better in fact many could argue it's getting worse <laughs> so we're gonna be in here for a while and honestly um I feel like I see like culture and music and art as a way like just as effective as a of a way to cope than like seeing friends when you can or facetiming and stuff what about you Sam yeah, it's funny that you brought up Bandcamp because I think before, like being inside for all this time, I'd always been aware of Bandcamp and listened to stuff off of Bandcamp. But there's very few albums that I'd bought. But with all of this revenue sharing that they're doing where it goes straight back to the artist, I think I bought like five or six albums digitally in the past like couple months, which I would have never done before. And just hearing all of these artists who only promote on Bandcamp, like More Mother has a great new album out mm. that's only available through Bandcamp. And just the way that I've been listening to music has been a lot more through directly artist supporting services rather than streaming on Apple Music or Spotify, which pays artists like obviously zero cents. And I think it's made me a lot more aware mm. of how hard it is for artists to earn money which I think I already knew, but now that there's no touring, it's so clear that Spotify and Apple Music just don't do shit for artists. Yeah, and that true. if you want to actually support an artist, you need to like buy merch, actually buy their album. And I've really appreciated how a lot of artists have made that clear and been like, hey, if you actually care about my music, this is how you should support it. Because mm -hmm. nowadays, artists could drop a, a, a project on Spotify, but if, yeah, if you can't tour, or if your like main sources of revenue come in in-person interaction like the industry is adaptable right like all these industries are adapting and like i think bandcamp has always been this platform but i think for a lot of mm -hmm. people like yeah i agree i wasn't really on bandcamp like that but um i think now we're seeing that like in this moment of crisis or whatever like there's there's new there's new necessities and i feel like there is a need to like get money directly to the artist mm -hmm. not that that hasn't existed before but like it like you said exactly is being exposed so I yeah. definitely agree. And even though those major, I feel like 
the release schedule has slowed down a lot for major labels yeah. but there is mad artists just bored in quarantine that are just cranking out music like Masai, for example like there's just been so much new like underground hip-hop that has dropped just because yeah. this is how they drop their music anyway so now they just have more time to do it i feel like i don't know this may seem far-fetched but i feel like twitter has gotten more popular especially because people are like don't trust the media like they're showing you wrong footage and a lot of people i know who weren't on twitter before are on twitter now and i think that honestly for small artists like that i feel like is their like best platform for promotion i don't know like even with like when we covered or when you covered masai's album like she like liked her post and like stuff like that and i think that like being on twitter or more people being on twitter I think maybe might might help getting these artists recognition who like don't have like huge followings. Oh, that makes sense for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say though, like a lot of these underground artists for sure, or just artists that are sort of like within their own circles that are distinct from mainstream music. I feel like for sure they've been those are the artists that I've been seeing a lot more from because I agree. Like if you were if you're on a label, the label is not gonna put money into doing a whole release for your music. It doesn't. Mm-hmm pay off really because nobody again nobody's making money from streaming and a lot of these artists don't sell well like physical cds or vinyl or like that's not their bread and butter but a lot of these artists do like mike and akai solo and navy blue and pink they can drop vinyl like for real and people would buy it and it goes straight to them like bro and the resell is crazy on those for real, I haven't even looked, but I can imagine like where the mavi vinyl right now is at like 200 bucks (laughs) really yeah, press like like a limited, like like two hundred or something, something crazy like that. Yeah. But yeah, so they're they're making like Kia did like a cassette drop with like twenty cassettes. I'm like, yo, <laughs> that resale is probably going. <laughs> what? Be yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's cool to see how a lot of like the independent artists have a little bit more flexibility in the absence of these structural presence. You know. Well, also because like I feel like a lot of artists like. I don't know. I'm like attracted to them because of their personality when I see their tweets and stuff. And I think like, especially with like Mavi, he's like our age basically. Right. Like, and his tweets are so funny and relatable. And like, I think that that also helps a smaller artist build their platform is like seeing their personality and just seeing them try to make like good music as like Mm -hmm. people our age or just a little bit older, honestly. Yeah. Kind of going off of that. I'm super interested to see what numbers No Name's next project does. Because mm. her <laughs> platform, her, like, obviously there's a lot of haters out there, but her platform okay. has grown so much in the past couple months. Like, I think almost everyone knows her name now, whereas a couple months ago, she was just, like, someone that put out dope music. Right, right, right. That is really interesting. I didn't even think about that. Because I'm like, I know for a minute she was kind of like, oh, I'm stepping back from touring. And I think in general, like from kind of like music, obviously she's dropping little singles here and there. But I feel like her next project will have everybody's eyes on it. And I think everyone. I mean, I, I wonder what that's Including like. Including J. Cole's. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of. I mean, I'm sure she'll do great. Her music is never like literally to this day. You could play any of her songs and it still hits like. True. So I think I think I think this is a dope opportunity for her to like just blossom because I think we're already seeing it, you know, like for sure. All right, dope. Um, so we're gonna move into our top threes of the year now. Omiri, do you want to start with your number three? You can just talk yeah. about it for like a minute and then 
um, if we know the song, we'll give our thoughts to So, I literally wrote four songs. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to narrow it down right now. Top number three. It's okay. I think, yeah, okay, okay. It was <laughs> I Was Just in the Mara by Madani, featuring Masai, actually, Ooh. off of um, Full Circle. Tron. And I just like it because I think the beat is different. It's so, a lot of Madani's songs have these sort of, has this production that's really eclectic and I feel like it complements his style well, but Masai specifically, like you were talking about, Sam, her flow is probably one of the most like versatile flows, but it also feels like staccato. It feels like it mm. jumps, it feels like it skips. And I mean that in the most seamless way, and it, and it comes through in that song in specific. So it was between that and Lil Uzi. So I was like, well, who, do, who, do I actually, who do I actually listen to? I mean, Madonna is another artist who's, I think, already dropped two projects this year, right? <laughs> exactly. It yeah. seems like, yeah, that, especially that New York underground, man, like right now, they're just, just taking off. And Madonna is one, one of the people that I think has like a lot of people outside of New York listening specifically. I think Masai is obviously um, getting a lot of attention as well. And a lot of these rappers are, which is really amazing to see. But yeah, Madani has a lot of people like, I, I could see his like sphere rising too with every project that he drops. So it's really cool to see. Yeah. And it's cool to see that a lot of artists seem to be kind of consolidating around them, like specifically around, I feel like Mike and just his whole orbit has grown to this like place where like he's created this kind of collective atmosphere where a lot of like like-minded artists can share their music yeah i feel like honestly a lot of it i think has been on because i know mike and them were making music forever right yeah. i think hakeem was making music forever and i feel like the interesting thing is really like the way earl sweatshirt has like catapulted a lot of those artists like a lot of people were introduced to mike through i was in the kitchen with that nigga mike like i think it's interesting how earl sweatshirt has this sort of like cosign but also i think i don't know this is a much bigger conversation i don't i don't really like it's always like i feel like a lot of these artists exist in their own spheres and so i'm sure mike was influential but i also feel like they all these artists carry their own weight and it's just really interesting to see it as a as a from like a, a larger perspective like it, it does feel like a unit is moving in the same similar direction like aesthetically and politically and ideologically but also, it feels like they are all like carrying their own weight. And so I definitely feel like there is a collective in the sense of slums and like that group. Mm. But Madani isn't even a part of slums and he's just but they're all just friends. Like it's really just friends, I feel like, that are yeah. carrying their own weight and building with each other, which is really like inspiring to see, you know. So that's why I really appreciate all their music. Yeah. Teresa, what's your number three? You're going to hate me, Sam. My number three is by The Strokes. It's Bad Decisions by The Strokes from their album, The New Abnormal. And even though the rest of that album, I'm sorry, at The Strokes is pretty bad, that song I think really slaps. And for me, like, I don't know. I just feel like the thing that I respect about The Strokes is that they've been relevant since like the 2000s. Like, is this it? That came out in 2001. And so much of like indie rock still sounds like that. And I feel like every time I'm like in an indie rock mood, like I always go back to the strokes. And like, I don't know, I feel like even with, like we were talking about this on Perfume Genius's album, like 
unsure if they're timeless like they're good but unsure if they're timeless and i feel like with the strokes they are sort of timeless and especially in the summer i don't know listening to like bad decisions it just reminds me of like driving down lakeshore drive or like feeling like i'm in high school in like a good way <laughs> yeah that that's my pick for a number three yeah i mean the strokes it's kind of crazy how long they have been around mm-hmm. um and I really respect that they've been able to make their sound weirder with time without alienating their fans. Because I feel like they're taking a lot more risks now than they used to, which is dope. And also, I think a lot of the time those risks don't really pay off (laughs) and you get the rest of the album, which I don't think is very good. But I mean, Julian Casablancos will be around forever and the music he makes is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sam? My number three is also from an album that I didn't really like, but this song just grabbed me immediately. It's Green Eggs and Ham by (gasps) Princess Nokia. Dude, I was literally, I was, that was my number three. Really? It was that or the Strokes one, but then I was like, ah, that's so random. I'm not going to put that down. (laughs) Was their album good overall or no? You didn't like no. it? It was, yeah, it was a little underwhelming. But I mean, also <laughs> the second line of the song is Sam I Am. So that might be part of it too. <laughs> Bitch, you have like the second most common name. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> Especially like lyrics like, and I thank my parents for the life they gave me. Have you told your parents that you mm. love them lately? It's yes. just such a positive like little anthem. It's not too long. It doesn't overstay its wel- welcome the beat's beautiful and it just reminds me of times where we used to just be outside and having fun and positivity. Green eggs and ham, Sam I am, I'm the man with the plank, tossed in jam, sunny D, you and me. Uh. I cannot believe that you, I was so close. That song is such a bob. It is such a bob. I love it. I need to listen to Princess. Like, I feel like I never gave her a chance. Cause I remember she had that one album where she was with the basketball and outside yeah. the court. And I remember like <laughs> listening to that and it was good, but I just never like really resonated with it. But I feel like, I don't know. Wasn't she the one that people were like clowning on the timeline? Yeah, she mm. got clowned. Um. So. <laughs> I need to give her a chance for sure. That's funny though. It's a great song. I would definitely start with Sam I Am if you're looking for a happy or song. She released two albums, like a joint album though. One mm-hmm. was like her light side and the other was her dark side. And the dark side is definitely better. Um, yeah. The light side, she sings a lot. And I feel like a lot of people have been trying singing this year when they don't have the <laughs> voice for it. <laughs> Interesting. But I would definitely check her out and check out uh, Green Eggs and Ham. It's a dope track. Amiri, what is your number two? My number two. I'm going through it now. I honestly think it was Versace by West Side Gun. He dropped a really cool project with a lot of really nice production. And I don't know if I like listened to it 
to make it not number two in a sense. Like I, I didn't listen to it as much as I would some of the other songs, but I think like when I listen to it, I love it. And um, yeah, what's that gun? It's wild. The whole Griselda like trio or not even trio, the whole Griselda unit is really amazing. Um, and Jay Versace is a really fire producer. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Like, given, but yeah, I really mess with that song. Yeah, Jay Versace, I feel like, came out of nowhere and is now producing. For, like, big people. For which, is really, which is really cool, because it's like, wow, like, production is really just one placement, and that could change everything. How did he, and like, move up? I'm trying to think his first, like, he did, he did, well, the thing is, he was always dropping little mixes. I know, he dropped, like, playlists. When, on the playlist, it would be fire, it'd be soul and jazz and all that stuff, so, okay. Then he would drop beats on his SoundCloud, okay, okay. He did a collab with a couple like people who were, or Madani definitely they, they collabed on something. And then I think from there probably just, I remember him saying Pink Sifu was helpful in getting his music, like getting his beats up. Um, and then I know he, I mean, once he was on the West Side Gun Project, that kind of changed everything because a lot of people were introduced to it for the first time. And then after mm-hmm. that, I think he's now doing stuff with, he's doing stuff, was it? maybe i don't know if it's the lines i might be i might be dragging it but it's oh, it's like shit. a it's like a big artist it's like a big artist that he's working Damn. With. i need to find um but yeah i'm i'm looking for it. i feel like his career is on the rise so it's cool yeah in this article it says that knowledge like really put him on mm. um, to like everyone in the business but i mean his beats are dope it's not like he's just getting it through connections right 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 it's awesome that he's like doing his thing Knowledge had a crazy project, too. I was going to put one of his on, too. Yeah, I was as well. Yeah. So good. And, like, West Side Gun is also taking over. He's dropped, like, two or three projects this year. <laughs> Everyone's just dropping, no. dropping, dropping. Why not? Literally. <laughs> okay, so my number two is Blue World by Mac Miller. Mm-hmm. Had to give Mac Miller the due shout-out he deserves. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was going between – I knew I wanted to do something from um, that album. But I was choosing between Blue World and Good News. And Good News just, like, always makes me feel sad, though. Like, it feels more nostalgic than Blue World when you just think about the fact that he passed. And Blue World is just, like, so upbeat. The beats are so good. And, like, it kind of separates you from his death in, like a good way I guess because I don't know on a lot of the album when I listen to circles all the way through like it just makes me like happy and sad at the same time but I feel like when I listen to blue world like alone I can just like appreciate it as a song oh it is such a good song and he was gonna do so many good things but I just think that we needed to shout him out on this podcast Mac Miller we miss I I miss you had a lot of i'm just thinking like a lot of post posthumous posthumous um albums dropped this year 
is kind of interesting because Juice World is going to drop something apparently. So yeah, but no, on that oh, specifically, true. yeah, I think I agree. I feel like listening to his music now just hits. I didn't even like listen to him like actively like that. I listened to, I think it was Faces. Basically, that was it. The main project I yeah. listened to. But I mean, it's impossible like not to like feel his music, you know. So I I agree. Yeah. Mac Miller is still the artist who I've seen the most in person. Really? Um, I think I've seen him four times. What? And Are yeah, you serious? It was like me. <laughs> I didn't and, even know you liked him like that. It was me and my cousin Journey's thing. Like oh. whenever was he when he was in town, we would always go. He's always been like the white rapper who's been cool. Like there's no there's no he's cool <laughs> with everyone that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, with this latest album good news hit me way harder than blue world which i feel like is part of like why you didn't want it on the list but that song man it's like i feel like there's also been this trend in these posthumous albums where it's like the artist is like talking to you like from the dead like i know that doesn't make sense but like yeah so many lines on this album were like i'm struggling i'm just yeah. trying to keep my head above water yeah um and you heard some of that on the pop smoke too, where he's like, yeah. run up on me whenever. And then he got ran up on. Also, I think like we were talking about this on an earlier podcast, but like it's hard for an artist to like stay on their brand, but also like differ in each album, you know, like in a good way. And I think like Mac Miller, like each of his albums are so different. I feel like, like, especially like swimming, it's more like jazzy. And then like circles is like, more like upbeat like and then his older albums are more like I feel like heavier rap I guess and I just feel like Mac Miller's like ability to like adapt as an artist is like really impressive or was really impressive you know like I feel like he could have done so much more if he was still alive today most definitely you know yeah, his versatility was like that's what I'm saying even faces was like the one that I really connected with because I thought it was it reminded me the most of the hip hop that I like mm-hmm. um, that project with some of the beats and, but the fact that he could do that and then do something like circles or do something like uh, his newer, the posthumous album, like, I don't know, again, as somebody who doesn't listen to him that closely, like actively, I'm like, I respect it from afar in a, in a way of like, just artistically, like the variety that he was able to tap into was really unparalleled. And like you said, Sam, everybody respected, like, I don't think we ever heard any, like, I mean, I've, like, not to romanticize a person, but, like, we never heard somebody from the industry, like, speak about him. Except for... Yeah. What's his, what's his name? Who, who? Didn't somebody post something about Mac Miller? I don't know. Something happened on Twitter, I remember. Somebody was... some some. I think... Was it Goldlink that did something? Yeah. Oh, really? Fucking clown, bro. I forgot so, what it was. Was it, was it Mac Miller, though? Yes. He said that Mac Miller stole his song. After he and died, he said after that? After he died. On Twitter, he put That is statement. so fucking disrespectful. And he, like, masked it in, like, this whole respectful thing. Like, he was like, so, like, R.P. Mac Miller, um, but <laughs> yeah. he still, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, All I was right. like, wow. So, my number two is Ramsey's 2 by Arm & Hammer. Oh. Uh, Arm & Hammer, that's so loud. Yeah. This song is just like perfect um first of all the intro the first verse and intro is by more mother and whenever you have more mother doing like a verse in your song you already know it's gonna be dope and then like the lineup of 
more mother Billy Woods elucid oral sweatshirts, oral sweatshirt, sorry, and fielded is like kind of my dream lineup. <laughs> <laughs> and like Billy Woods verse is mm. amazing, of course. Um, he has a line where he's like, the private jet, the landing strip, every follicle plugged and trimmed. Like just the stuff he says, like gets in your head and you can't really understand what he's saying till you like read it and listen over and over. And I love things like that. Then Earl has a short little verse, but of course it's dope that he's even on the song. Right. And then Elucid really brings it home. Like he says, life is anything but static, supreme mathematics, repeating numbers, cycles, patterns, summers, winners, starting later, ending faster, babble question, chaos answered. It's just so sick. Like they yeah. really just went off on this whole album. And I wrote about this for the site, but this album hit me harder than any has in a really long time just because of the themes and the way that they talk about time and as like this like circular like all always moving like jumping back and forth thing i think it's so dope and i don't think there's that many artists out there doing it like that shit shout out the sky like warm moon dinner. blood on the trees blood on the leaves lady day in the mean eating old fours why dip a mouth blowing snide in the Hermes claw for Jesus? Satch the cleanest since he copies lace from the priests. And his tree. I listened to like some of Arm and Hammer, I feel like a while ago, and I couldn't get into it then. Just like I think where I was sonically. But like now, when I listen to it, I, and especially, I mean, Earl obviously being on it definitely attuned me to it, but also mm-hmm. seeing Pink Sifu's uh, yeah. feature. Like it was a really like I don't know I need to go and actually like listen to some of their older projects again because this one really did stick with me like the way in which he raps the delivery or they rap the delivery and the the beat selection is ridiculous like so I need to go back and check it out but yeah that was a fire song yeah I didn't listen to Arm and Hammer until you covered Shrines Sam and then I saw their features and I was like how are they not more famous mm. Like, well, I th- I thought they were super underground, almost. I mean, I think the reason that they're not more famous is because their music's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like they're one of those groups that's, like, respected, like, beyond, like, all levels of respect. But it's, like, not everyone is willing to make music as weird as them. Um, but Billy Woods is probably, definitely in my top three MCs, if not, my second favorite MC. So just whenever he drops anything, I'm always in tune. But I also recognize like not everyone is willing to get yelled at <laughs> in like extremely obscure references for an hour. So I totally get why people aren't into Arm and Hammer. But I think if you give them time, especially if you're already in tune with the beats, if you give their voices time, like everything just starts coming together and you see like some of the stuff that they're doing is just pretty genius i think yeah all right amiri you're uh, number one number one <laughs> song of the year it's too much like I, this is such an incomplete list but right, number <laughs> one i feel like was by navy blue okay mm. simultaneously bleeding off of uh i don't know how to pronounce this title but ada irin ada irin 
We speak far too much of this shit into existence, my nigga, this can't be real. It's inexplicable, my nigga. Nigga, simultaneously bleeding, it's all worth it, it's all worth it. The, the, the reason why that song stands out to me is a couple of things. Number one, the, like, as somebody who makes beats, like, that beat just is, like, one of those beats that you, like, you can literally sit and listen to for, like, like an app for hours like it's one of those loops that you can throw on and that's that's what i appreciate most about production it's like how long can i listen to this without it like annoying me so that's one of the things that stood out to me immediately the navy blue is such a gifted writer like some of his lyrics and um and throughout this album but also in just verses throughout his career really stand out to me he said surprise like i ain't tell you told you i get over trickle down effects my mother made a soldier soldiers ain't for crying all my brother know hold him close privately, we cope. Like the way in which he talks about like friendship, the way he talks about um, relationships between people, the way he talks about growth, the way he talks about like confiding and trust and loyalty, but also like the pain and hurt that comes along with it is so poetic to me. And I feel like his music is really, is poignant. Like, and then the third thing that made the song was the video, which is ridiculous like <laughs> i like i love how a lot of these artists are taking visuals as an extension and on like an elaboration of their music and i think this song in particular does that it makes the song it accentuates it for me and um so yeah i thought this was an incredible song simultaneously bleeding and um i feel like from an incredible artist who i think can only go like i don't know how how much he wants to go into rap but like navy blue is like such a fire artist to me so I'm really excited to see where he goes. But yeah, that song, that song was critical. Like, <laughs> that was crazy. No, he's he's a beautiful artist. And that album is just an amazing album too. And it's funny because that song specifically didn't connect as much with me. Like with Sage, Life's Riddle, and In Good Hands were the ones that like really hit for me. Good hands, um, good hands is so good. <laughs> yeah. But also I feel like you know it's a dope album when people can have so many favorite, different favorite tracks off of it. Exactly. Um, and the way that I found Navy Blue is actually through his skating. Uh, so, That's so funny, yeah. Cause I like really for me it was the other way around. I didn't even, like I thought he was just a rapper. I didn't even know about his skating. Cause I, I think didn't, for I most people, skating. it's the, the other way around. Yeah. No, <laughs> Sam, I think you're like a few <laughs> that you no, found him I really skating. loved him as a skater and then I knew about Navy Blue and then I saw one of his videos and I was like, damn, he looks just like that skater. <laughs> You're two brain cells. That's yeah. so random also. He's like, there's a whole thing with like, I mean, hip hop, I feel like in skating has always been a thing, but low key, like there isn't like a big hip hop and skate like history. I don't know. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to just think about it, but I feel like now there's a bunch of rappers who are skaters and vice versa. Like, yeah, just as a thing, like, um i mean i don't know i'm thinking about new york particularly but yeah i think it's really dope like <laughs> it's just cool to me to see people like he's probably a couple years older than us no more than that mm -hmm. um definitely in his 20s and it's just like cool to see people i mean he's a painter like like it's interesting to see like young black artists be able to do things in ways that i also imagine myself being able to tap into everything that i want and just be able to do it you know so yeah no, they're True, definitely yeah. not putting limits on themselves at all. Yeah. Like, there's no sticking to one discipline anymore, which not I think all. is, like, very much how I think of the world and how people, 
like our generation, especially black people think about the world? I mean, two things for that. Like, I feel like going back to No Name, like her book club, for example, Mm -hmm. like that has generated so much press just by itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like a more, I guess, established person that I think off right off the bat is like Tyler, the creator, like with obviously like Gulf Wang and like his merch and like, oh, he was also on Vine, (laughs) Tyler, the creator. Um, But I don't know. I just feel like that's something that young people really know how to tap into, you know? And I think that a lot of older artists are kind of behind on that. Um, Like the notion of like being able to be an artist in like a lot of different ways and just having some broad platform to like share your interests, you know? I feel like some of the older artists that I'm thinking about were like their their thing. I mean, again, I wasn't around for them, so I don't know. But from my perspective, it was like business, like Jay-Z or Diddy. I mean, honestly, kind of not a good example because he did a lot of artistic, like other things. But I feel like a lot of hip hop was connected to sort of like the executive, the sort of the businessman. And while that's still relevant, I think this generation is bringing a critique of capitalism that probably won't allow that. Like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine any of these artists starting like the Rockefeller records of 2020 you know what I'm saying like (laughs) like so I think it's I think it's interesting how like I think hip-hop has always had a sort of interdisciplinary approach not to be academic but like (laughs) you know what I'm saying but like I feel like now it's shifted from away from the sort of industry which I guess is a byproduct of just a lot of different things but I feel like it's cool to see you know you're seeing artists like Masai as a curator like Mm. um they put on a whole and this was Kia and a couple other uh producers and rappers they put on a whole like school like an education like day of just workshops um you see jay words as a producer who's doing like beat workshops and like different education stuff and like i think it's just interesting to see i'm glad it's it's branching away from like the capital like oh let mm-hmm. me just make a business or do some financial like let me tap into investing like i don't think that's what this generation is at least some people in this generation are not you know leaning towards right yeah i think that's a super good point and yeah, I think this is the first generation that sees Jay-Z as kind of whack, you know? <laughs> Important to move past this, oh, a super rich Black person is going to save our problems because it's just, it's not going to happen. Not and I think we, our generation sees that and we don't think Jay-Z is going to do anything for us. Um, right. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Or Kanye, Sam. Or Kanye. <laughs> for that matter. We then knew Kanye wasn't going to do shit for us. Though. Did you see that on Twitter? It was like Kanye was trending and also Kanye, like K-A-Y-N-E. <laughs> We're spelling it. <laughs> nice. I was like, damn, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> All right, Teresa, what is your number? Okay, okay. My favorite song was Dear April by Frank Ocean. Not the acoustic version, though. Fuck the acoustic version. The Justice remix that you first sent me when it came out. It was off the vinyl, Yeah. was it? Yes. Okay, so when I first listened to this song, I was, I was in a rough place in my life. I had just came back from Florida after being told I would never come back to school again. Life was not looking too hot. And then this song came, and oh my God, it slapped so hard. It just made it seem like there was hope for the future. Little did I know at the time there wasn't. But when I listened to the to the song, like especially towards the end where it just like repeats like that like beat. Ugh, it slaps so hard. Also, you know, Frank Ocean, my number one 
goal in life would be to see him live. Mm. And um, it's just really funny because you can't really find the Justice remix online. And when I was like looking it up, the comments on SoundCloud were so funny. There's like, I wrote out this one comment. It said, my tears fall harder each time the quality improves because people are just trying to like re-record it from like his concert. Um, and yeah, you can only find the acoustic version on streaming platforms, which sucks. But I don't know, just revived my belief and my hope for Frank Ocean to save us all. Dear Yeah, I feel like Frank Ocean had a a rough start to 2020. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> um, actually, I got me and Alina tried to go to um, one of his club events. Oh yeah, and got my fake taken away. So I, I love how it. nobody is surprised but you. <laughs> anyway, I have negative Frank Ocean bias now. But <laughs> dear April's beautiful. Okay. I don't know what Frank Ocean is doing though. Like, Kayendo was really bad. Kayendo was bad. I don't think he can make an album of songs like Dear April. So, I, I'm nervous. I'm not excited for this next Frank Ocean project. I don't know. What do you think, Amiri? I feel like I'm excited just because I think Frank like continues to drop complete projects. And so I've never been like, I feel like it's interesting as an artist who doesn't drop like singles to hear singles and like kind of have them isolated from like a body of work. But I agree. This was, <laughs> this has been a funny year for Frank. Cause I feel like this is a, this, he was trying to low key, like step back into maybe doing more things publicly. Like it seemed like he was trying to move in that direction. Um, or at least be a little bit more like active than the four, what, four years in between. So I'm interested in like how he might be thinking about it, but I think, yeah, I fully, listen to Frank Ocean for the body of work, for me at least, mm. which is interesting. Cause I think, honestly, I listen, like artists like him and Kendrick are, exist like that for me. Like, I don't even know what a Kendrick single would like be. Like it would just, it would feel, I, I'm sure it would be good. Like some of Frank Ocean's singles have been interesting, but I don't know. Yeah, I think my relationship to Frank is definitely as like, what project is he putting out? How is the experience? Like, what does the whole project signify? So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's also why I really loved Dear April because all his other singles don't really slap. Kind of like random, like mm-hmm. biking in my room. And my room was fine. Provider, provider's a bop. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know why only the acoustic version is available. Wait, hold on. Chanel was a single. Do not tell me. Okay, Chanel okay, okay. <laughs> Chanel has turned into like a meme though. like i see both sides like chanel yeah um which is fine i mean frank ocean really also redefined culture a lot in terms of like sad boys obviously yeah shout out dear april all right so my number one of the year um i actually only found this song like a couple weeks ago but 
It's Both of Us by Jada G. This song is a house absolute banger. It's one of those songs that like starts slow and grows and grows. And then the end is like by far my most euphoric moment of the year. (laughs) The vocals are beautiful. The beat is just driving. It sounds like atmospheric. And it literally sounds like just like a late night, like a couple people in a room just like absolutely vibing. Um, and I played this song this weekend, actually, um, around some friends and one looked up at me and said, I could listen to this song for the rest of my life. (laughs) Like, it seems like it might lose direction a little bit towards the middle, but then you see that it was just all the parts coming together. And it's, it's such a beautiful song. I love it so much. I go listen to this the way you described it. (laughs) song is going to change my life. Wow. It changed my last two weeks. Like, it's been on repeat. <laughs> That's funny. Didn't um, uh, Pitchfork to... just cover this song, Sam? Yeah, I'm kind of mad because I thought it was, like, my little song. And then uh, <laughs> Pitchfork dropped Pitchfork it. stole it. Literally last night. So, I'm not mad, though. It's cool. More people knowing J.A.G. is such, such a good move. Uh, yeah, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Wait, I was going to ask just if we're still talking about songs, like, what were just some that almost made it to the list? Ooh. You want to go first, Teresa? Um, I have two. It was Cut Me by Moses Sumney. That song's like sad, and I, I'm not trying to project sad vibes. Um, <laughs> but that whole album, Grey, uh, it was so good. It was so good. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't talk about it on this podcast because Sam wanted to talk about Perfume Genius. But Moses Sumney's album and also Ooh La La from RTJ4 that one slapped really hard and then green eggs and ham obviously it was, it was run the jewels it was a good it was a good project i didn't listen to it this time really good. it was really? so good yeah i'm gonna go check it i'm gonna go check it killer mike has been in the news lately so i'm like i need to go see what he's talking about <laughs> oh that's that killer mike's always in the news. <laughs> but i need to actually like listen fully to the music because the, the little bit that i heard was really amazing so you have to be in like a mood yeah. <laughs> How about you, Amiri? What almost made your list? I'm saying it was probably the little Uzi You Better Move. <laughs> that song mm. is so good. About. I think also Young Nudie dropped a really has been dropping a lot, like end of twenty nineteen into twenty twenty. He dropped a really dope album. So I was gonna put him on the list as well. Oh, but the real song I was gonna say is What's Home by Mike. He put a video out mm. that was like that was different. Good song. What's home is so good. Like Yeah again one of those beats that i feel like you could listen to forever um so yeah it, it was it was too many songs really to do this y'all <laughs> but yeah those were just a couple options i have a bunch written down on my list i want you to love me by fiona apple love that mm. one new york is killing me by gil scott heron and makaya mcraven that album's been remixed like what? three times now but it gets doper ever every time 
You know uh, Gil Scott's last album, I'm New Here? Yeah, it was kind of like different. Yeah, he remixed that. Music. And Jamie XX did a remix, and then he just remixed the album again. Jamie XX? Damn. Okay. Yeah, you know the Drake song, uh, Take Care? That's like based on a sample of Jamie XX and Gil Scott. Drake? Yeah. <laughs> Drake? <laughs> Drake! <laughs> that seems so advanced for Drake. <laughs> Bro, Drake has good music taste, low-key. <laughs> did you or did you not listen to his last release no he doesn't make good music but his music <laughs> taste is like pretty elite and then i also had a cure for the common featuring Cobb by preservation mm-hmm. weight of the word by mike which is a uh, all types of bop um glow in the dark by Masai, mm-hmm. and finally of course you know gotta shout out Wash Us in the Blood by Kanye West. See, this is some of this dangerous future president promo. Yikes, yikes. <laughs> this podcast does not sponsor Kanye Thank as president. You. Easy, um, please sponsor us. Okay. Give us yeah. some of your billions. Yeah, Wash um, Us in the Blood was surprisingly good, I will admit. Not surprising, but yes, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, I just wanted to ask you guys, what has music meant this year to you guys? And what are you looking forward to in the rest of 2020? I guess music for me, like I said at the start, was kind of has kind of become a way of sort of not disconnecting, but sort of like immersing, I guess is the better way to put it. And I feel like a lot of the things that I'm trying to listen to have, I'm trying to just listen to music more attentive to, attentively now, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm trying to really listen to it. So that's why I've been enjoying like a lot of the older music that I think I haven't been listening to this, this type of way in the past. Um, but I also am excited just in general, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of these artists who um, I think tend to get overlooked by, again, these mainstream headlines, these mainstream releases, I think are there's a little bit more space. And I also think there's a lot of creative energy just out like right now, like I'm hearing, and I was thinking about this earlier, I was like, it's really crazy that there was that even a couple years ago, there were people saying like hip hop is like not where it needs to be or hip hop is dead. And to me, I'm just looking around like hip hop is really in a beautiful place like there's so many mm-hmm. different types of music and so i think i'm just interested in how like this year will shape some of the creative direction and whether it'll make the music more experimental and whether the music will range but i don't know there's just a lot to you know look forward to but i'm in general i'm just trying to listen to the music more more attentively i would agree with that like especially when we reviewed the tiana taylor album i don't think i def i don't think i would have listened to it in like depth if not for an, a podcast episode about it like I wouldn't have read up on like her past history and like her family mm-hmm. and stuff but I'm just here for the creative energy honestly because also you know I'm going through another midlife crisis where I'm like I don't know what I want to do with my life but I realized over quarantine that it has to involve something creative and it's just inspiring to see people channel creative energy even in like solitude and alone. And um, yeah, I'm honestly kind of excited to see what people do further throughout quarantine because this is definitely going to last for a while. Yeah, same. I'm just looking forward to the rest of 2020 in terms of music. Like I think personally, this has been my favorite musical year of my lifetime so far. Like last last year kind of let me down, to be honest. And 2020 has just came back absolutely roaring. Um, you didn't like Chance's new album last year? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like Hot Shower? <laughs> that was last year. Just kidding oh me. Gosh. 
Um, but I guess what I'm looking forward to, uh, Mavi said he's dropping two new projects. Um, really? Yeah. So it's already July and neither has come, but <laughs> I'm hoping at least one comes before the end of the year. Wow. Fire. I'm also like, when is the next Kendrick project going to drop? Like, Oh, yeah. In, like, <laughs> maybe not this year, but I feel like Kendrick's one of those artists where he probably don't need like the tour necessarily. He could drop something and have people buy it. But yeah, a lot of people I'm waiting for. Masai said she's supposed to drop with J-Words, which should be crazy. So oh. there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. All right. Well, Damn. thank you so much, Mary, for coming on the podcast. Um, we always appreciate your music wisdom. Yeah. Um, I hope you had a lot of fun. Yeah, I got thank a lot of recommendations so too. I'm gonna check out. I'm gonna check out these other songs. Thank you. It was really nice to meet you. Yes, you too. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Amiri, and we hope you check out the songs that we recommended. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.